BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Major Garrett, yes, CBS, yes, hi. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's The Takeout. Major. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major, that's nonsense. Major Garrett. And you should know better. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett, host and creator of this most amazing program known as The Takeout, which each and every week is two things in principle. What are those two things? Relentlessly curious, steadfastly non-ideological. We love books on this program. We're going to talk about a book this week, but I think the authors of said book are probably more interesting to you than the book itself. We'll find out. Uh, The authors are Corey Lewandowski and Dave Bossie. You might have heard of them. Uh, Corey Lewandowski was the very first campaign manager for candidate Donald Trump. Dave Bossie has long been an advisor to Donald Trump, candidate Trump, and President Trump, and he was deputy campaign manager in the home stretch of that startlingly successful 2016 bid for the White House. Corey is joining us via Zoom in Houston. Dave is joining us from his office in Washington, D.C. Corey and David, say hello. 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 <laughs> so why is Corey listed as the first author on this book, Trump, America First, The President Succeeds Against All Odds? Why do you get that you first, know, Corey? You well, know, first, first. See, there we go. This is what they do. These guys can't, cannot possibly <laughs> let each other talk. They've got Major. to talk over each other. My name is first, so I have to get I get to go first alphabetically. Is it all, uh, alphabetically? What alphabet is that? I'm sorry. What alphabet D are you talking Corey, about? Corey D for David. I'm just ahead of you. Oh. Just speak out. It's D for D. Hey, look, Major, what it is is everybody knows Corey can't read or write. And so we just had to throw that on there at the beginning because he he loves to do uh, the media part of this. But he doesn't so really write, know how to read. So who writes these books for you? I, I write uh, every do. word. Dave hasn't seen a computer yet on how to write a book, so he just he prints out the damn thing in longhand and starts using his pen to go through edits. I say, hey, we get this newfangled thing. It's called the computer, or as the president calls it, the machine. The machine. That's exactly right. We have a machine. Now, we, we, you know what? We sit down and we write this. We write. Um, we take a lot of time. We were in the lockdown, Major, like every other American in, in uh, February, March, April, uh, and May, and this is how we used our time when, so we didn't have to talk to our wives and kids, uh, you know, was to write a book. True. <laughs> Very good. So I read the book as no, I read the didn't. two previous books. I have. I read it this morning. I did. You're I'm the guy. You. Cool. We've been I looking did. for you. You're the guy. <laughs> I, I actually read books that people are going to be on my show. Oh, good. So I will tell you this. Um, it reads like a dear diary. Uh, with lots of names of people who are significant in the Trump inner circle. It is, of course, because the two of you are nothing if not relentlessly and continuously positive about this administration, every single thing it does. Uh, 
it doesn't harbor any second thoughts about anything. There is not one thing that President Trump has done that you find either questionable or less than fully successful. Not true. Well, what did you criticize? John Kelly's tenure at the White House. Major, okay. I got into a friggin' fist fight with the yes, guy at the Oval yes, Office. But that's, that's not that, that that only is indirectly involved with the president because he hired him. But it's mostly about you and John Kelly. That's not anything to do with the president. And you certainly don't suggest it did anything to undermine his agenda. Let me be very clear here. Our job is we're not um, we're not journalists. We're not trying to come off as uh, two guys who are independent and looking at this uh, through some neutral lens. We are two partisan supporters of this president. So it's not our job, Major, to pacify or satisfy people to say, how come you didn't find something wrong with what he's done? We choose to write about what we think are the most important things. And what that is, is to give people like Let Trump Be Trump, uh, our first book on the 2016 campaign, we try to give it that feel, which is pulling the curtain back a little bit. You get to go on the, the ride with us. You get to go on Air Force One and into the White House and into the Oval Office. So people who like that fly on the wall, so to speak, you get that. But you also get from us what we believe is some of the most important public policy uh, and administrative actions that this president's taken and why we talk about it in the terms of promises made and promises kept, what his list of accomplishments are. So we're looking to give people that, that, that fuel, that ammunition as to why he should be reelected. So our job is not to be critical. Our job is to try to help him get reelected using this book as a, as a vehicle. Well, do you regard this book as a better string of White House press releases than the White House writes for the president? <laughs> Look, it's, they're better uh, I written. Think Dave and I know how to communicate pretty well on behalf of the president. Uh, this book is really. I mean, that's a serious question. It feels to me like you're trying to fill a gap that you don't think the White House on behalf of this president is filling itself. Well, look, if you listen to what the president has True. said about his own communications team, uh, he gets an A-plus for things he's been able to accomplish. But he said the communications team in the past has been a C. And part of that is because he has faced a hostile media. And when you achieve some of the historic things that he's been able to achieve, and I point specifically to the Middle East peace deal that he achieved just in the last month. It was a blip on the radar screen. The first major peace deal in the Middle East in 26 years that his administration brokered, it was literally a, a half a day story on some of the major media outlets. And so I think the team doesn't do as good of a job as they can talking about their successes. And partially the reason for that is because the media doesn't want to hear about Trump's successes. So we're out talking about those and the things that have impacted people's lives on a daily basis. And, and this book, Trump America First, is his fundamental philosophy of why he's fighting every single day because it should be America first. How much did you, either of you, talk to the president when he was at Walter Reed? You know, I had a, I had a long conversation with the major on Saturday night. Uh, he was very upbeat. He was um, excited about the fact that he was already on the mend and he was, had only been in the hospital at that point for about 24 hours. Um, I won't speak for Dave, but Dave was actually physically at the hospital on a couple different occasions over there showing his support. And I can tell you this, what I asked the president was, I said, let us, let Dave and I and all of the rest of the people on the Trump train stand in the breach while you get better. 
And uh, the president recognized that knowing that he couldn't do all of the events that he had scheduled. And uh, I believe he was very grateful for all the work that his supporters around this country have have shown him while he was sick. How do you think you how sick do you either of you believe he was on Friday of week last? Well, I think he was. Uh, look, you know, he's a 74 year old uh, male, which is, you know, is a, a predisposition for men is worse than women. Uh, a 74 year old male who uh, uh, got COVID, who got COVID. And I think that that is something uh, that he uh, and his doctors took great precautions, uh, you know, on in, in the sense of getting him uh, to go to the hospital to begin with. I, I don't know that he needed to. Do you think do you think he would have rather not gone? Yes. Uh, oh, I, I, we know him pretty hey, well. He, Who does want to go to the hospital? Nobody says, yeah. boy, I really like to go to the hospital because the applesauce is really good there. <laughs> Even the presidential right. hospital, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to go there. And the truth is, um, he went there at the advice and counsel of his physicians and the doctors around him because it is the best medical care in the world. The reason I ask you is because the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, first tried to do this anonymously, then on background, then it became clear who it was, said that his vital signs were very concerning. Do you believe that to be true? Well, Well, look, I I respect Mark Meadows. I don't know uh, if it's his core competency, candidly, to to talk about a patient's health care needs. Uh, I think we leave that to the physicians, and I think the president's physicians have been very clear that they took him to Walter Reed as a precautionary measure. Uh, He received the treatment that he needed there, and now they've indicated that there is no treatment that he requires that he cannot receive back at the White House. Dave, do you think those vital signs were truly very concerning, or do you think that was a dodge or some sort of uh, false flag? You know, I... I haven't been able to talk to Mark directly about that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, and I plan to, uh, but they're, they're obviously incredibly overwhelmed, especially with being such short staffed because so many people in the West wing have come down with it. I, I would, and I would just say, will, and we will pick up on that in a second, Dave, I got to jump to break. I want to keep this process right. going. Dave Bossy, Corey Lewandowski, you're on listening to the takeout segment two in just a second. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great-tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great-tasting, high-quality organic dairy ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back. I had to abruptly take uh, control of the move to break, so I stepped in right as Dave Bossy was mid-sentence. Dave, I apologize for that. Continue. Uh, Major, I, all I was saying was that... Uh, uh, Mark Meadows uh, and the doctors clearly had some miscommunication. What that is, it, 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 to me, at this point, it was important at that moment in time, but it's not necessarily now that the president is on the men, now that the president has been fever-free and and not having any other symptoms for the last 24 hours. I think he is well on his way to being on the men. 
I'm not trying to downplay that miscommunication, but I think we've kind of moved past that in the sense that that's, I look at that as the process more than whether or not the president has recovered or is in the process of recovery. You know the president very well. Both of you do. Do you think he was happy when he saw that there was a report out that his vital signs were very concerning? And again, to quote Mark Meadows, there was no clear path to a full recovery. I'm not making those words up. Those were spoken by the chief of staff of the president of the United States. Look, I I don't think the president was happy about that. But I think we also have to understand that Mark is not a clinician. He's not a physician. He's not tasked with providing the health care and the continuity of care for the president. That is the job of the men and women uh, who are his physicians and the doctors who treated him. And clearly we've seen an amazingly quick recovery. The president's already back at work. We know that he's back in the Oval Office. And the truth is uh, he looks better and healthier now than he did before he went into the hospital. So maybe the, the rest was good for the president. I don't know, but I can tell you this president is ready to fight every single day for the values that he has fought for in this country. And uh, he wants to get back out there and do that and show the American people what happens after you beat COVID. For, for, for Corey, I want to make sure to note something. We're recording this on October 7th. That's a Wednesday. And Corey, you said he's back in the Oval Office. To our knowledge, that's not necessarily been confirmed. Do you know on this day, October 7th, that he has gone to the Oval? Because yesterday he did not. And there were still mechanisms trying to be put in place because as was mentioned Dave by Dave briefly before we went to break. Lots of people within the West Wing have tested positive. It's almost a ghost town. There's hardly anyone there. Functionally, it's all being done from home, which can be done, but it's not optimal. Do you know the president's been to the Oval? Well, look, I, I can only report what I saw in the Drudge Report, and I thought I read an article that said that Trump has returned to the Oval. So, you know, look, New York, hey, Major, let's... I think there's, I think there's been miscommunication on that. I think he's... He, Right. He's in the residence and they are trying yeah, to get him to, go. to the Oval right. and whether he's been there or not. Right. He wants to go. He's raring to go. But let me let, let's just say this, though. The president, now that he's had COVID, I think he understands what he talked about, what the president in his own words said. I went to school. And what he means by that is I learned firsthand what it's like to be a COVID patient. I understand the isolation. I understand uh, the fear. I understand my children and my grandchildren's fear and isolation. They could not come visit me. I understand better today than I did before having it. And I've beaten it. And I've won. And I want every American and only because of this administration's efforts, the, the biggest public private partnership since World War Two to try to tackle this, finding the therapeutics and finding a vaccine, which we all hope is just around the corner. But the president wants every single uh, American to get the same access to the same medicines that he had, because clearly, if he's able to recover, um, you know, being in that 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 bracket of people who have the highest mortality rate, it's not you still 95 percent of those people survive, but it's still the highest percentage of of mortality rate. He wants every American. That's what he's been fighting so hard for. And so I, I'm hopeful uh, that he's able to talk about that over the course of the next 28 days, because I think it's important for the American people to hear right from him his own personal experience. So you are both familiar with what was reported about the First Lady Melania Trump. And 
You also know that her very aggressive spokesperson, Stephanie Grisham, would correct this on the public record if it were false. And there's been no effort that I've seen to correct this. And it was reported by two different news organizations that she did not go to visit the president at Walter Reed because she did not want to endanger anyone on the staff in the drive over or anything like that. So that's one split screen assessment of the various risks of getting into a car and going someplace. Then you have the other split screen, the president going out to see the supporters in front of Walter Reed. Are you comfortable with that contrast, yeah, either Major? Just, just one second, Look, Major. For, uh, I just went back and looked, and it's the Daily Mail's reporting that, according to Larry Kudlow on the record, the president did return to the Oval Office on Tuesday for a brief period. So that seems to be an accurate statement coming from the National Economic okay. uh, Advisor, Larry Kudlow, who's on the record saying the president returned to the Oval. Got it. Okay. How, how yeah. about the Melania so, thing? Yeah, let me just, let me just address that. I, the... The, the, the same two men, the same two Secret Service agents that the media is loving to talk about are the same two agents that accompanied the president on the helicopter, on Marine One, leaving the White House, going to Walter Reed. They were already exposed and are already under quarantine. And I believe that's part of the reason that they volunteered. They did volunteer. Um, so the mainstream media wants to talk about uh, how dare the president put people in danger? The reality is these Secret Service agents, who none of us uh, willy-nilly, in the, including the, especially the president, uh, you know, takes these people for granted. They, they volunteered, and they had already been with him. Therefore, they are already under quarantine, and they're with him there at Walter Reed under quarantine. So for them to wear the PPE, uh, wear the masks, have plexiglass between the president and them, meaning taking the additional precautions, uh, is what they did. Right. And so I, I think that the president and the Secret Service handled it exactly right. But, I mean, you could say it's so much easier for him not to do it. Sure. But that's not what leaders do. Right. Leaders don't just what, what, hide in the basement. I understood. But what I asked about was the contrast between the first lady not going and not feeling comfortable going fearing that well, there might because, be something that would be infectious. Major, I'm just asking major, you how major, comfortable you are with that contrast. It's not a contrast, Major. She would be going with agents in a car that have not necessarily been exposed to COVID. We don't know that. These two gentlemen were on Marine One leaving the White House to go to Walter Reed with the president. They've already been exposed. They are already under quarantine. So for... For the first lady to get in a car and drive up to Walter Reed is exposing additional people. I believe that is a substantial difference okay. in, in the two things. N not even close. Understood. Both of you have indicated that the president would like Americans to have the same care that he has. Of course, Americans can't have the same care and shouldn't have access to the same care that he has because they're not president of the United States. Because they're not president of the United States. Nobody has no, a medical it. unit around them 24-7 like the president does. Nobody has a helicopter to ferry them from one medical unit to another. And very few Americans can get access immediately to experimental interventions like the president did. So my, sense, my question is, when the president says, don't be afraid of this, and people answer back as they have on social media, well, my family has experienced this. We don't have the same care that you have. We are legitimately afraid of it. Do you think there is a political problem and a disconnect there? Well, Major, let, let me well, look, I, I think that everybody ahead, should have access to the care that's needed to combat this, 
this pandemic. And look, right. uh, we're, what we have learned over the last six months is that we didn't know anything about this Chinese virus when it hit our shores in February and March. And what we know now is that obviously treating it very quickly helps, uh, just like uh, we've learned that the faster you are combating this, the more likelihood you have of survival. More than that, though, we know that things like zinc and, uh, and vitamin D also help combat this. And we know that there are treatments that anybody who's ever needed a ventilator in this country because of the COVID-19 uh, crisis has received one because of the work of, of this administration. And I don't know about remdesivir and the other uh, drugs that are available and who gets those and who doesn't get them. But Chris Christie, and I'll just take him as an example, self-checked him, he checked himself into a hospital as a precautionary measure. And uh, he's getting all the treatments that Donald Trump would have received or anybody else would have done it under the same scenario. Chris Christie's a private citizen and that's how the system's supposed to work. We should make sure everybody has the access to phenomenal health care. That's the voice of Corey Which Lewandowski. Which is exactly Dave, what one the- sec, Dave, one sec, I got to jump to break. We'll get it back to Dave Bossy and Corey Lewandowski. The book, Trump America First. I'm Major Garrett. This is the Takeout Segment 3 on the other side. CBS News. This is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Back with Corey Lewandowski and Dave Bossy. We'll get to the book Trump America first and Corey's uh, fisticuffs with a former chief of staff, John Kelly, in a minute. But uh, both of you have just said we didn't know a lot about the virus in February, March. True. Do you think as a core competency, having learned as much as the nation has, it is acceptable for this White House or any White House to have as many people infected with the virus now as currently are? Well, geez, Major, I didn't, you know, I don't think people get to choose. Uh, you know, we, we, there are plenty but of- But they choose to, they can choose to take precautions. And, yeah, and they there have is been. ample videotape. No, they haven't, David. Look at the, look at the video. There is very few masks worn. As a day-to-day practice at the White House, almost no one wears masks. Social distancing yeah, was not adhered to in the day. week before. And they're tested every day. But testing, clearly, oh, hey. clearly, clearly uh, testing is not the thing that prevents 100%. you from obtaining the virus. Yeah. I mean, you know that day in and day out, the president would like to A, be at work. He'd like to have Stephen Miller nearby. He'd like to have Hope Hicks nearby. He'd like to have Kaylee McEnany nearby. He'd like to have... Others, he would like to have Nick Luna, his body guy, Maybe, nearby. Maybe, Can't have any of them nearby yeah, but, because they're all infected. As a core competency, if this were the Obama administration, wouldn't you be saying, haven't they learned anything? Well, Can't they take the simplest precautions to keep American government secure and operating? Look, if this was the Obama administration, there wouldn't be any personal protective equipment. It'd still all be being made in China right now, and the Americans wouldn't have access to it, and the stockpiles would still be depleted. We wouldn't have ventilators. And look, Major, what we have known is that Being tested every day is clearly not the only solution, but there's also a level of personal responsibility that people must take. And look, it's up to individuals to take the precautions that they believe to be necessary. I don't believe a national mask mandate is required. 37 states currently have mask mandates, and they are no better or no worse than the states that don't have mask mandates. So So there is a a part of the White House staff having now been infected and tested positive some part of that bears on their lack of personal responsibility. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I think what they relied on was the Abbott testing to say that they were negative. And obviously, once a person was tested negative, and I don't know because I'm not a clinician, can they come back an hour later and test positive? But there were protocols in place very specifically that if you were going to go into the Oval Office, in addition to the testing that you were required to 
pass, and, and what I mean pass, I mean getting a negative COVID test from the White House, you still had a temporal thermometer scan multiple times a day by going into the Oval Office if you're going to be in proximity to the president. And social distancing inside the Oval Office was widely in effect. So the chairs were spread out, people were sitting on the couches, no one was sitting in close proximity to the president. So steps and procedures were taken. And I can tell you that uh, maybe people had a false sense of security because they tested negative, but it seems to be a reasonable thing. If you're testing negative, that you would have maybe a uh, an understanding that you wouldn't be contagious because you've just passed a test. That said, I still think precautions were taken inside the White House to, to reduce the spread of COVID. And my guess is they will look at those precautions moving forward to determine what has to happen between now yeah. and and, uh, and, and, and major it's, it's going to be interesting. And I don't know what the science says on this, but you know, some people were in close proximity to some of these folks and some uh, people got it and some people didn't. I mean, it is remarkable. I mean, I sat next to Chris Christie for one hour within one foot um, uh, of me at the Rose Garden uh, ceremony for Judge Barrett. And, you know, I have tested now multiple times negative uh, this week, thankfully. But it is. When was your most recent test? Can you uh, tell us? Sa Saturday? Saturday. So today's Wednesday. Okay. So I, 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 mm -hmm. I, my, and I, or Sunday, Saturday or Sunday. I got, so I, I'm, and I'm well outside the window of having a problem. I mean, it was, it's now been uh, 12 days. Uh, so I'm not concerned at all anymore, but I certainly was. Um, and, and okay. I've had a, and major, I've had a daughter who tested positive for it as well. Mm -hmm. So I, we, we, we don't just talk about this stuff. We're all, all, all of us are human and all of us have families and family members and we all are capable of all getting, of us are part of this. That's story. right. And all that's of why us I say, part of this when story. I'm saying these things, I mean it sincerely because I have zero interest. First of all, I have pre-existing conditions myself personally. And I don't get I into know. my own personal health care mm -hmm. issues, but I have zero interest in, in getting this virus. I have zero interest in bringing right. it home to my wife and kids. One of my children has pre severe pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. I take it very yep. seriously. So just like the president does. And that's what – so you can be working hard towards it. But not the scientists, the doctors don't know everything yet. And that's we all as a country are trying to work through this. And that's what I think the president is doing. And that's why I think everything that Corey talked about is everything that the president's done and his record on this is incredible. But we want to see more. So, we want to see a solution. We want to see us. We want to right. see us as Let America get behind this. us. Let me ask you both this. Do you believe it is advisable? I know you know the president wants to do something, but do you believe it's advisable, politically or medically, for the president to return to the campaign trail in person before the next scheduled presidential debate on October 15th? Sure. Sure. I have no problem with that. I, I think that as long as he's testing negative, I mean, obviously, he, I, I say yes, but, which is that he should, uh, and he will, as he recovers from this, test negative, probably two or three days in a row, my guess will be. And once he is, once he is negative, not shedding the virus, not having the virus and fully recovered from the virus, there's zero uh, uh, reason 
to the campaign trail. Now, if it's if it's if it's not till Wednesday, the day before the debate, I think the debate's on Thursday next week. Um, if it's not till Wednesday, you probably want to not do that because I wouldn't recommend traveling the day before the debate anyway, just as a practical matter. But yes, I would have right. no problem on Monday or Tuesday next week seeing him go to a Corey? Corey? Hey, no, look, I, I, again, I would defer to the, the medical professionals on this, but if they say that he has no traces of COVID in his system, he continues to test negative, and uh, the precautions are put in place, the president wants to get on the road and, and lay out his vision for America, I'd be okay with that. So do either of you have any concerns about lingering effects of COVID-19, which is to say in your second week, even though you're not shedding the virus anymore, you can be tired, you can be fatigued, you can have other issues, even if you've had all successful interventions. Do you have any concern about the next week or two as he goes back to the campaign trail, which he inevitably must in the closing weeks of this campaign? Well, Major, I'll tell you what, I got some fatigue. I got up at about zero dark 30 this morning to uh, travel all over the country because this is what you do when you're within four right. weeks. But you're not the president of the United States and you're not oh, just coming off COVID-19. But, but Major, this guy, this guy is, he's not human when it relates to his energy schedule. You have seen it. It's been widely reported. You want to put him up against a 30-year-old guy, I'll put my money on Donald Trump every single time. This is a guy who's doing four, five, and six events a day, uh, has the energy of 10 men, and has the will himself to go and get things done when other people can't do it. So look, even if Donald Trump has some lingering fatigue, and I'm not saying he does, that means he would only be doing four or five stops a day as opposed to six or seven stops a day, because that's what Donald Trump does in the home stretch of a campaign. Do you believe that this campaign is where it was in 2016 or behind where it was in 2016? That is to say, do you believe the polling information that suggests he is closer than he was in 2016 in key battleground states, farther behind in others, and farther behind in the national polls. Well, I, I would just say uh, to you, Major, what is what happened four years ago today? Do you know? Do you remember Billy Bush? Billy, Billy, Billy okay. Bush. So mm -hmm. to, for, yep. it is literally four years ago today that the Access mm -hmm. Hollywood uh, tape happened, um, and 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 if you recall. Uh, in the days after that uh, event, uh, we crashed in the polls. Uh, we had a bottoming out. I believe we sh most of the national polls uh, had us down anywhere from 12 to 16. Okay. Um, most of them were in the 14 to 16 range. Um, and we came back to win. And uh, it is a different race today. But you asked, in pro considering where we were in 16, can, are, are we more or less able to win today? Um, I would say uh, unequivocally that we are able to win this race. Uh, this is a different okay, race. Okay, hold, hold that thought. Hold you that keep thought. interrupting me. I'm Major Garrett, because the clock is the clock, and you've got a hard out, so I'm actually doing you a oh, favor, yeah. so hey, get thanks. back thanks, in your yeah, seat. Thanks, Appreciate it. That's Dave Bossy, Corey Lewandowski, and Major Garrett. Segment four, The Takeout, in a second. The Takeout with Major Garrett is brought to you in part by Kansas City Steaks. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com today and use code SIZZLE2020 at checkout. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back. Uh, You are watching on CBSN, of course. You've already figured that out. If you're listening on more than 75 radio stations around the country, including... Sirius XM, POTUS Channel 124. We're always delighted to talk to that audience. Uh, plus, all of our early adopters on the podcast platform, you probably remember that this is the fourth appearance of one Corey Lewandowski on this program. Boom. Dave Bossy, this is his third appearance. Undisputed, undefeated heavyweight champion of the world right here, Major. You know that. Number one, baby. I kicked this baby off, and you have been so freaking lucky to have me as a guest. Your ratings oh, are yes, yes. amazing. I'm yes. the biggest guest, All I Major. do. All I hey, do. I, I, all I, I do. Trophy, oh, yeah. I'll, trust me. I'll you know get that? you a trophy. <laughs> yeah. I don't even get You'll a meal anymore. Hey. We used to get meals and drinks. Yeah. Now we get nothing. Stay take home. Not yeah, take out. Get a trophy, Stay home. Right. Major, send him one of those coffee yeah. mugs you showed us. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, um, this is a winnable race, if I heard you correctly, Dave Boss. You mean before you interrupted me so rudely? That, that before a- I preserved the uh, <laughs> efficacy of the format, yes. Oh, before and that. And helped you get to your uh, next appointment. Yes, Again, you. doing you a favor. Oh, yeah. So sit back in your chair. <laughs> so, so Finish your thought, as elaborate wait, and convoluted as it's going to be. Yes, thank you very much for that. <laughs> thank you very much for that. Uh, let me just say this. This president is capable of winning this race. He's going to win this race. And we're going to win it uh, very much in a similar style. We're gonna, this, we had a spine of our election in 2016 since we're doing a comparison that I tried to help build, which was Florida, North Carolina, Ohio, and Iowa. We felt we had to win those four in order to be successful in 2016. This year, it's a little bit different. Some are the same, some somewhat different. We have to win Florida, North Carolina, Georgia, and Arizona. I believe we win all four of those, but that's kind of the spine, if you will, this year, along with all of the other Republican red states, the Oklahomas and Texases of the world. We're going to win those. With that major, we get to 260. We only then have to win Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. We only have to win one of those if we win all of those that I just talked about. So instead, of, we won three of those four last time, and we just barely lost Minnesota, and we didn't campaign there very much. Uh, and then we also have, as a second track uh, to getting to 270 electoral college votes, is Uh, winning Nevada and New Hampshire. Uh, We have to win both if we're going to go that way, but both are in play. We lost by 2,700 votes in New Hampshire uh, and by about 27,000 votes in Nevada in 2016. Both of those states have changed. Both of those states are winnable for us. We have a lot of -of out-of-state students and faculty in New Hampshire that are no longer there because campuses are closed. We do not have same-day voter registration in New Hampshire as we did in 2016. People waking up in Massachusetts the morning of the election and feeling like they're a New Hampshire resident that day. That happened. We see in Nevada, the unions have lost tens of thousands of jobs, and those people have left Nevada. The polling does not reflect that, but that is the backbone of the Democrat Party. The bat in Nevada, in the state of Nevada, the unions run that place and tens of thousands of votes have left the state not to come back before Election Day. We are in a very good spot there. We're in the hunt in Nevada and the hunt in New, ha- in New Hampshire. And I think that we have many paths to victory here, but it is very obtainable. Corey, why did you uh, feel the need or almost come to blows with John Kelly, the chief of staff of the president of the United States? That guy was a a little yeah, louder, Dave. Oh, a little louder, Dave. I'm sorry. A little louder, I please. Say that. 
You know, you know, Major, here's the thing. Dave and I are two guys who fight for the president, and um, sometimes we do it on TV, sometimes we do it uh, in other ways. But look, what it came down to was John Kelly thought that the American people voted him to be the president exactly. of the United States, that he wanted to limit access to everybody. Exactly. And that when he was given a direct order by the commander in chief, he just summarily dismissed it. And I saw it dozens of times. Uh, John used his position as a chief of staff to uh, benefit his friends and his colleagues that he liked. He played favorites and he wanted to shy. He wanted to shun people from the president. And you know what? Uh, I'm not a guy who needs to be with the president 24 hours a day. I don't need to talk to the president every day. He's a friend of mine, whether he's the president of the United States or he's not the president of the United States. He's a friend of mine. And, and I'm proud to say that and I'm honored to say that. But John Kelly was a guy who didn't have the president's best interest in mind. He told me, and I relay this in the book, I said, John, we have the same goal, which is to make Donald Trump successful. And he said, that's not my goal. My goal is to save my country from Donald Trump. And you know what, Major? Uh, when you're the chief of staff to the president of the United States, to me, completely unacceptable. So John and I decided to go to blows. I offered to take him outside, take off my coat and kick the living <laughs> out of him, but he chickened out. Uh, and so that's fine. Hey, he's not the first guy to not want to do that with me. And I'm okay with that. But we went and solved it like men. Uh, he apologized, shook my hand after. And then, you know, that was, that was uh, you know, probably totally. Despite all the things you just said, do you consider John Kelly's service to our country laudable? Of course. Hey, I have enormous respect for him and the family sacrifices that he made. And look, my brother spent 23 years as an active duty Marine. So I am grateful and thankful for the service that John Kelly put into our great country. And it's better because of his time as the United States Marine. Uh, but he was in the wrong job as the chief of staff. It wasn't his core competency. That's not to say I am demeaning in any way his service to our country. Uh, I'm grateful for that. And look, John and I grew up not that far apart. He's, he's a little bit older than me, to be honest with you, but we didn't grow up that far apart in Boston. So uh, I get it. I get his value structure. I think we have the same one. But when you tell me that you don't care if your boss, the president, is successful, that's where we differ. And when the president asks you to do something and you just summarily dismiss it, I think that's a problem as well. And I think John was in the wrong spot as the chief of staff. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't serve the president well, in my opinion. You both mentioned Brad Parscale early on in the book. Do you think Brad Parscale in every way was uh, fully on board with the Trump agenda? Do you think he did anything to undermine it? Do you think he did anything worthy of further investigation while he was campaign manager? Yeah. You know, we both had very good relationships uh, over over the last four plus years, ups and downs with Brad, uh, you know, but that's just the way campaigns are. Uh, but we we think uh, that I have no reason. And I actually, Corey and I really have never talked about it, but I've never uh, had any reason to believe he's not on the Trump train. He was fully on board of the Trump agenda as far as I could tell. Don't you agree with that, Corey? Look, I, I hired Brad in 2015 to help us launch the campaign. He did a, a, oh, you're the guy. a phenomenal job. Did, did, did he do anything to excessively profit from his relationship to the family or the campaign? Yeah, I, I can't answer that. Look, I have no idea. I can tell you that the Brad Parscale I know is a hardworking, dedicated individual who clearly, uh, based on the media reports, has some demons that he's dealing with. And, and you know what, Major, as, as a friend of his, I feel that maybe you know I didn't do enough to help him when uh, he was going through some troubled times because if if your only course of action is either to potentially hurt yourself or others, then we need to do a better job in recognizing those concerns and, and get him the help that he needs to do that. Is that going on right now, do you think? I sure hope so. Look, I, I think, uh, you know, I haven't talked to him, but the media reports were that, um, you know, they had to take him to a facility to to make sure he was okay. And, and that's heartbreaking to me for somebody who 
I know he wants to see the president be successful. I know he's got a family, he's got children. His children have been to my house. You know, I know that family. And so um, I would never wish that on anybody. I hope he's getting the help he needs. And we, you know, have to make sure that people who are in those situations have a way to reach out and let people know that they need that help. That is the voice of Corey Lewandowski, Corey R. Lewandowski. The other guests we've had this week, David and Bossy. They are together the co-authors of yet another book on Donald Trump. It is called Trump America First. The first two were bestsellers. I suspect this one will be as well. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. For those on our radio audience, we're going to say goodbye. That includes POTUS Channel 124 on Sirius XM. And we'll see you next week. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Zoe Poindexter, and Jake Rosen. CBSN production by Eric Susanen, Grace Seegers, and Daniel Peebles. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS Audio. I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.